Hi, welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. I'm Luke Gradeless, and this is our bite-sized Bible study for Monday. I hope you're having a great day or have had a great day and are having a peaceful evening. Uh, we are continuing our journey through the book of 1 Peter. We now find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 4. and Today we're just looking at a couple small verses uh, as we wrap up chapter 4 and then look to jumping into chapter 5. So again, this is 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, we're looking at verses 17 through 19. And so as we've been going through 1 Peter, this topic of suffering keeps coming up. And what Peter has continually done is he's driving people to go, hey, I know things will be tough. I know there will be hard moments. I know there will be pain. But that pain happens for a purpose. And so the two things he keeps reminding us of are, one, when you suffer, you suffer and you should suffer not alone, but with Christ, which means it pulls you closer to him, gives your relationship more intimacy, gives your relationship more meaning. And so ultimately that suffering isn't even a bad thing because God can use it for good. And second, he keeps reminding us that there are two paths, right? There's the path of the spiritual and there's the path of the worldly. Which one are we going to choose? And so we see kind of a, a similar focus here as he wraps up chapter four about this mentality we need to have of where does our mind sit? Where does our mind think? Uh, what motivates us day in and day out? And what kind of perspective do we have about the things that are happening to us now? See, the world continually pulls people to only think about the very present. It, it does not really want us to think about tomorrow, let alone think about eternity, right? And so that's why so often sins, temptations, are enjoyable in the near term but have devastating consequences down the road. And so what Peter's trying to remind a disciple or a, a disciplined disciple of is, hey, when you go through these times, make sure you have the right perspective. And so here he comes to an interesting thing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. He starts talking about judgment. And so he says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And so two things he does there. He, he asks a very important question. And he also reminds the church that the judgment will come. And I think this is so important because this is one of those topics that if you're not careful, people will throw one verse at you and think that that's the totality of the discussion and use that to get you away from biblical truth. And so regularly, I will run into people who are like, the Bible says you shall not judge. The Bible never says you shouldn't judge. The Bible says... Be careful with how you judge. If you are judging people by a different standard than God's standard, you better be careful because one, God doesn't want you doing that. It puts you at odds with him. You're trying to take his role. If you think you have the authority to look at other people's lives and judge them by a standard other than his. And second, he tells you, be careful because if you really want to know who can judge things, it's God who knows all of your actions, all of your thoughts, all of the things nobody else knows. And so what he says here is the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Peter's saying God's judging the church. Now, this isn't the type of judgment of eternal salvation, but this is the type of judgment where he's coming in. He's correcting. He's rebuking. He's highlighting those behaviors within the church that are not biblical. He's highlighting the individuals who have crept into the church for the wrong reason. And God is doing all of this. He's doing this judgment to what? To shape the church into the instrument that can change the world. And so brothers and sisters, we should never be pushing judgment away. We should be simply making sure that one, the judgment we show is biblical, 
right? The measuring stick is not my standard. It's not the world standard. It's not the majority standard. The measurement is the word of God. And second, that the purpose of our judgment is, is that we have love. There's a loving heart at the center of our judgment where when I come to judge you, it's not because I hate you. It's not because I'm going to put you down. It's not because I'm trying to show I'm better than you. It's because I sincerely love you and I know that the best joy in the world will come to you when you're living according to the ways of the world. And so what we see here is, one, the time for judgment has come for the church. It's going to begin with the church. And then second, he reminds us to think about, hey, if tough times in judgment are going to come for those who are in the family of God, right? Think about that, right? The people that Jesus died for, the people who are his disciples, the people who are building his kingdom, even those people, because of their fallen nature and because of the sin in their lives, are still going to seek or face judgment. They're still going to have judge or, or God judging their actions and correcting them and rebuking them. If that's happening for his own family, for the people he died for, well, guess what? Do you not think those are not going to come to for those who disobey the gospel? And so again, God's giving us this perspective of, look, the Christian path's not the easy path. It's, it's not trial-free, tribulation-free, or judgment-free. But if you think that's the tough road, man, you're totally ignoring the road of those who don't even know what the gospel is, or worse yet, have ignored the gospel. What will happen for them? So then he references in this next portion of chapter 4, he references back to Proverbs eleven thirty one, And he says, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And so that's another important part for us. If the righteous one is scarcely saved, brothers and sisters, that's hopefully us. And what the Bible's saying is, guess what? Even the best of us, the ones that think they're the holiest and the most righteous, you are barely getting in. You are not getting in because of your behavior and your resume and what you've done and your church attendance and your tithing. No, if it was your behavior, you're out. You get in only because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross for your sins. And it is only through him that you're getting in. So if that's the truth for those who do get in, surely we know the sinners who do not accept the salvation of God have a totally different path that will not lead to salvation. And he's trying to remind this because when you're going through the immediate pain, you need to be reminded of the eternal thing that you're focused on, right? So if you're going through trial and tribulation today, why are you doing that? Why aren't you taking the easy path? Why? Because as I think about eternity, I realize I want to be in the kingdom. I want to be sitting next to Christ. I do not want to be in the other place. And so he says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful Christian. And so ultimately, when you're going through tough times, this is what God's advice is. Trust me. Take your soul, commit it to me, like deposit it to him. Say, I'm giving this to you for safekeeping and trust him to do good. And I think, brothers and sisters, that's ultimately what we have to have faith in. And that's ultimately what we should have faith in. And it's also why we should have a little bit more positive perspective when we go through tough times. When a secular worldly person who does not believe in God goes through tough times since everything is about the world and everything is about now, then everything is a wreck because things are going bad right now. But for the godly person, when we're going through tough times, what we have hope in is that God is at work. I may not see it. I might not like what I feel day to day, but here's what I know. I have a good father who loves me. 
I have a good father who has a plan. And I have a good father who is going to use what is happening to help the kingdom, to grow people, and to hopefully grow me. And so, brothers and sisters, that's what Peter is trying to do here, is in the end of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses uh, 17 through 19, is just remind us of that perspective that should help us as we go through tough times. And again, I think this is so important. If you read your Bible, you will always see tough times are guaranteed. In fact, more tough times are going to come to Christians simply for being Christians. This book never sells us on the idea that the path is going to be simple and easy. It sells us on the path will be difficult and hard, but it will be worth it. You will not be alone. And God will give you everything you need to be victorious in those difficult times. And so again, I urge you as I've urged you throughout this book, don't seek comfort. Do not seek the comfortable, easy path. No, seek the hard path that God puts you on. Seek the path that God is present at. And if that leads you through the valley of the shadow of death, then so be it. Because as long as you're by his side, then you're in the right place. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. I hope you have a great evening. May God bless you and may God use you. We will see you soon.